Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like we always do with this time, I go for mine, I get to shine, now throw your hands up in the sky, go for mine, I get to shine, now throw your hands up in the sky. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. It's been very frustrating for us today because we're really trying to get this to work, but I think we finally got it. I'm on the road right now on out the eastern part of Long Island. What's up, Dan? What's up, Steven? What's going on, man? <laughs> We're working through some technical difficulties, but uh, I'm glad to be back. Uh, Steven, glad to have you back. Dan, longtime TOJ contributor, man. Happy to have you on the show here. So let's uh, let's get this rolling on, on a Friday before Labor Day. Season a week, uh, almost a little more than a week away. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having let's me go. on, y'all. Of course, Dan, I promise you, you're not, you're not cursed. I, it was just us. We were messing up. But anyway, guys, uh, <laughs> I just want you to know that. But um, big news today, guys. I know, you know, we've been talking about the health of some guys on the team who've been banged up in the preseason, mainly like Becton. I know obviously Elijah and then Elijah Bear Tucker were both hurt. But we found out today that Crowder actually tested positive for COVID-19. The issue that we're running into right now is we don't know his vaccination status. And the reason why that's so important is, you know, he could be out 10 days. He could be out five days because if he's vaccinated. He could come back in five days as long as he's showing no symptoms and testing negative. So I want to throw it to you, Dan. What do you think about this? Do you think how big of an impact could it be if Crowder's not out there for Carolina next week? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a pretty, pretty serious situation. I think it's uh, helped by the fact that the Jets have invested heavily in their depth of wide receiver. So, you know, it could have been a lot worse, you know, as we experienced last season, like when Crowder got banged up, like Sam's uh, options were basically slim to none. Um, and things got pretty dicey there. But I think with this year, we already know, like we haven't even seen Elijah Moore yet in the offense. We know he's going to be exciting. Every time Joe Douglas and Sala talk about him, they just like, they have like a little, little grin that they're like, yeah, I'm hiding something like something's coming. <laughs> um, so they're so fortunate to have that right now with, with this happening now, but um, obviously Crowder is a, he's an excellent option, particularly on third down, like we've been seeing last year, but um, you know, hopefully he gets better. Hopefully he can recover quickly. Again, like you said, we don't know his vaccination status. So we don't know really what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, we received from like other sports players in different sports, like I know Chris Paul, like when he's coming back, he had like a whole bunch of things he was dealing with and like all, all these other players that you're just like, you know, you don't know how everyone's going to recover. So like, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how, how it goes, but, uh, you know, thankfully they've invested in their depth there. Yeah. Agreed. 
Steven, what do you think? Are you a little bit nervous about, you know, the wide receiver situation going to Carolina if Crowder's not out there? I think Dan uh, kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think in years past that this would have had uh, all Jets fans hitting the collective panic button, but this year, just because of the state of the wide receiver core, it doesn't. Um, I think it obviously answers, you know, all the, the speculation that was circulating uh, last Monday, right before cutdown day, you know, he didn't show up to practice. So that yields to, you know, all these rumors going around is Joe Douglas shopping him, you know, all that stuff. And then it's kind of an unreported injury. And now it comes out that he has COVID. So there's a lot of things that are happening here, but in terms of on the field, I mean, I've been a big Crowder supporter over the last two years and specifically this off season. I still don't think even come trade deadline, he's a guy that they should look to trade simply because, and I think I'm a little scarred from the Sam Darnold experience. I just think you should keep talented guys around your young rookie quarterback uh, so that he can best develop. And there's no question that he's an asset on the field, specifically in the slot, specifically on third down. So I think the impact will be felt. Yes. Not uh, definitely not as much as it would have been in years past, because I just feel that much better about the wide receiving court in general. Um, and, you know, I'd really I'd like to see, you know, if Elijah Moore is 100 percent healthy, I'd like to see a lot more of him. Um, and if that's kind of the one um, silver lining of this is that we do see more of Elijah Moore, then maybe that's a good thing that comes out of it. But ultimately, I think it's still going to be, uh, you know, Crowder's a safety valve out there for any quarterback mm-hmm. that he's on the field with. So I think you're going to you're going to feel that impact a little bit. But if we get to see more of Elijah Moore, then that's maybe the one positive thing that will come out of it. Yeah, I agree. And I think this does open the door for Elijah. And I'm super excited to see him get on the field because, you know, we were kind of teased. He was like laying up in camp and then he gets hurt. And then we never see him in the preseason. I mean, Steven, thankfully for you and I, when we were there on July 31st, we saw that viral play, which made you Mm -hmm. a superstar on Twitter. So, (laughs) no, I I agree with you guys. I think the depth is definitely something that really helps me feel a little bit better about it. But at the end of the day, you know, there's some young guys there that aren't as proven. And Crowder, you know, is a reliable slot guy who's really good on third down. Kind of gives me like a like a Jericho Cotri type of vibe. So yeah, I definitely think it would make Zach's life easier if Crowder is available for that game. Um, but transitioning a little bit, you know, one of the biggest surprises from cut down day this week is that Bless Austin was actually cut. It seemed that the Jets were trying to trade him, but they were unable to find a partner, which I found kind of surprising because he's a young player. He wasn't a high draft pick, so his salary isn't super high. So I was interested to know that Joe Douglas couldn't figure this out. Uh, Steven, I'm going to throw it to you first. You know, like how surprised were you when you saw Bless was cut? And, you know, do you think this is actually a better or a worse thing? Because I know there's mixed reviews when you talk to the fans about him. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, and really because more so because of the reasoning they gave, um, which was, you know, the solid came out and said, listen, we're going to have a rotation of these young guys at corner. And we know that Bless, uh, you know, was expecting to start. So we wanted to give him the opportunity to start elsewhere. I can somewhat understand that, but in reality, the rotation of young guys at corner, Stephen, you said it right there. He still is a young guy. Um, mm-hmm. So I just think it's, it felt kind of like a BS excuse. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that Bless is a world beater. I mean, we've talked on this show, you know, a few times. I mean, there's, there's questions about his game. There's durability concerns. It's kind of gone away since his college days, but um, there still are some concerns with his ability too. I mean, he had a quick hook with Greg Williams too, where he, you know, mm-hmm. if make a bad play in the first half, you wouldn't see him for the rest of the game. So I'm not saying that he's a next, you know, second coming of Darrell Revis or Deion Sanders. However, when the corner room looks the way it does, I don't think now was the time to really let Bless go. I think he improves that room. And if you're going to go with the reasoning of, rotating the young guys, I think that Bless could have fit in that rotation. So it did surprise me. I don't think it's a huge impact, but I do think that they lost a little bit by letting him go. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, it just comes down to, like, the coaching staff and their feel for different players. I feel like this is one situation where, uh, you know, the Jets made tons of investments in the draft at corner. 
and you know they I think made less of a struggle in free agency than a lot of people thought they're kind of just like eh. uh, and then kind of like seeing this happen after all of that is kind of like wow like okay uh, so it seems like Sal is like really invested in like these cor- uh, rookie corners and the UDFA and Isaiah Dunn so um, you know I think for for that I, I think Sal probably just looked at uh, Bless and was like it's just out of fit um, as much as like we we got to see a lot more of him uh, up, up close and personal as just fans I think Sal like is the type of coach that would just have a really quick decision on this type of thing. So I think Douglas trying to trade, it's probably just him trying to recoup on the investment that he made. But at the end of the day, I, it just seems like the coaching staff was kind of just like, no, uh, like it's, it's not going to work and it's not going to be a, a good uh, investment for either party. It seemed like uh, was the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. If, no, if, if, go ahead, Steven. I'm sorry. Oh I'm yeah. I was just going to say, I agree with both of you. I mean, his play was questionable. I think, you know, he could tackle really well and was definitely physical as a player, but too many penalties. It was always getting burned by, you know, really like strong receivers that they faced in the few years that he was starting. So I'm not overly upset. It's just more that, you know, we need all the bodies that we can get from a cornerback perspective. Steven, I'll pass it to you. Yeah, I don't want to uh, make a mountain out of a molehill with this Bless Austin thing, but I guess the overarching theme that I can say with the entire organization from the top down is that it just feels like they have a better assessment of where they are realistically right now than they ever have. So I just feel like they're taking honest-to-goodness looks in the mirror and and knowing exactly where they are in the stage of this process. So uh, I think, you know, we brought it up before, uh, but if you remember 2019 when a lot of the Jets fan base was uh, was upset because Demarius Thomas was there and was eating all the targets from these young guys, right? That kind of, it may be the same thing here with Bless, where if if, uh, Robert Sala looks at it and says, you know what, Bless isn't a part of this long-term solution, why not cut bait now and give these other guys some rotation because we know that Bless isn't going to be here for years to come. So when all Jets fans were kind of saying that, you know, let's why let Demarius eat targets? Well, maybe that's just the same thing, just on the you know opposite side of the ball. And they're sitting there saying, okay, he's really not going to be here. Let's just give the give the opportunity and the experience to these young guys because we know this guy's not going to be here. And they're just calling it what it is earlier on as opposed to waiting till they go, you know, one and seven, one and eight, <laughs> like they did two years ago, and then saying, you know, we're not going to give this yeah. guy. I think that's a good that's a good way to look at it. I like the Demarius Thomas comparison. It's not the first one that I would have thought of, but yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, kind of transitioning because he obviously was a very you know high profile cut that was made. Um, I wanted to transition to surprises from the fifth three men, and the, to me, and then I'll pass it to you guys to you know either you know agree disagree with me, and then obviously give your take on this on whatever you're thinking. My biggest surprise was how they handled the tight end situation. It's not even just the fact that they traded Herndon, which was definitely a surprise. It was the fact that, you know, they went in on after post cuts on Tuesday with only uh, Tyler Croft as the only tight end because West Coast technically a fullback. You could list him as a running back. I know they ended up re-signing Ryan Griffin and Daniel Brown. But to me, if you're heading into the season with only those three on the roster, and I know Kenny Yabo is on the practice squad and I prefer him to be on the active roster at this point because I think he has more athletic ability as a pass catcher than those guys. It's it's a dangerous game. I'm not here to say that Tyler Croft can't be a starting NFL tight end. He's a good blocker. That's actually really what he's known for since he came out of Rutgers. But my issue is, you know, we need someone who could be, you know, a blocker and a receiver. And that kind of was what Herndon was. So I was very happy to see they got a fourth rounder out of a guy who's really produced nothing with the exception of four games in 2018 with Sam Darnold, who's no longer here. But 
I think Joe Douglas is definitely taking a risk similar to the corner situation that he really didn't get anyone else who's really like a proven NFL guy in the tight end room. So I'm going to pass it to Dan. Just obviously, you know, Steve, you just were going on all the blessed stuff. But Dan, what do you think about the tight ends? And beyond just tight ends, what do you think in terms of surprises from, you know, the initial 53 man roster? Yeah, I think it, there's like a really interesting trend with Joe Douglas in that he's he's kind of showing how much of a gambler he is a bit with a lot of these situations. He's, uh, mm-hmm. I think it, it, it's interesting for Jeff fans. We, we get very familiar with players very quickly. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, uh, when it, when like cuts happen a lot for a lot of players, it's like, well, okay, well, I thought he was going to make the roster. And for obviously the entire tight end room, everyone's like, I have no idea what's going on. Um, so... <laughs> To, to see like all of those players like make uh, uh you know get through waivers and get back on practice squad was kind of like uh, uh you know like obviously a GM would have a good a good uh, uh you know pulse on uh, what other teams are thinking what other teams are going to go for and Joe Douglas was like yeah nobody's going to get them and <laughs> let them all go and then they all came right back uh, and I think it, it's kind of interesting because even in the uh, you know it's kind of a side note but like the James Morgan uh, conversation that Sala was having is like oh yeah Carolina yeah they yeah we wouldn't do something like that. You know, just kind of like, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to kind of like get a, a little bit of insight into that because it seems like Trudeau is kind of just seems to always know when he's just going to get players to come back on uh, practice squad. But uh, it seemed like he was kind of taking a pretty big gamble at that, similar to what he's kind of doing with the cornerback room. Um, but yeah, it seems like they have a move up their sleeve uh, of some sort, uh, maybe something more high profile. You know, obviously Zach, Zach Ertz has said that, you know, I love Philadelphia. I'm sitting here and playing the rest of my career, which obviously doesn't really mean anything until we actually see nothing happen. But, um, you know, that situation seems somewhat less likely now. But, uh, you know, it, it, it feels like there should be something else. Uh, on I hope way. so. I <laughs> hope so. It's it's playing with fire. You know, we don't have a lot of depth there. And I just think that, you know, we need as much help for Zach in his development yes. in year one as possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do have a, you know, a solid group of receivers, but having, you know, some more legit tight end play would be great. Yeah. Uh, Steven, be, like besides obviously, you know, what you think about the tight end situation, is there anything else that really surprised you from the final 53 man roster? Uh, nothing really surprised me. I guess um, what I would say is just really that those middle rounds of the 2020 draft for Joe Douglas. And I guess I'd commend him on realizing the mistakes and, and cutting bait. Uh, and, you know, he let Jabari Zuniga go, but he got him back in the practice squad. I can understand that with injury concerns. Cut James Morgan, which was a questionable pick at the time. You know, Cam Clark, another one, not going to see the field this year, this time due to injury. And then you're talking about LaMichael P. Ryan, who I think is a clear-cut running back four on this on this roster. So really, I think that's it's not really surprising to me, but I guess it's the one thing that I am still questioning. So you can judge uh, Joe Douglas uh, in a negative light for that draft in the middle rounds of, of, of that draft, but at the same time, at least he's recognizing the mistake and not trying to let it linger on further than it has to. So um, I'd say... Outside of that, the one other thing that I'm, I'm really kind of focused on is the QB room. Um, Mike, I don't think Mike White necessarily won that job. I think he was kind of the best of bad options. And it does, <laughs> it does surprise me a little bit that they brought Josh Johnson back to the practice squad, but they're not going to have him as QB2. Um, I just think a veteran presence, typically with a young rookie quarterback like that, is probably more beneficial. But the jury's still out. Um, you know, we'll see. I'd say those are my kind of two surprises from uh, five yeah. downs. The Morgan thing is interesting because I don't, I still to this day, and I know a lot of us echo the same sentiment, think it was an Adam Gase pick because it just, 
it didn't make sense. Like they had so many holes on the team. They took a quarterback in the fourth round. Like, sure, if you do it in like the seventh round, some guy who maybe has high upside from like an arm talent perspective, but is really raw, sure. I, I can't really get mad because you always need a backup quarterback and it's always good to develop it. But with a premium, you know, your premium pick in the fourth round, that was really what struck me. So I, I and the fact that Joe Douglas already cut him, it kind of really shows what his hand was and it really wasn't his pick. But I do respect the fact that he was willing to cut players that he drafted just a year ago. I mean, we all kind of thought Jabari Zuniga was toast because he's been battling with an injury, but they did obviously put him back on the practice squad. I do think they are playing an interesting game with not having a veteran backup. I know obviously Josh Johnson's still going to be in like the meeting rooms on, on during the week, but you need him really out there on the sidelines. I don't really know the rules if you're on the practice squad. I don't think that they are out. They, they might be at the games. I really don't honestly know. And, you know, hopefully the, the listeners will tell us on Twitter that they can be or they can't be. So I just think we need somebody. And the interesting thing I heard, I was listening to um, JJ's podcast on the ringer and he had Peter King on and he was bringing this up as well. He said, you know, it's a young team, you know, you can't really expect too much, but obviously you're hoping just for growth and improvement. But he said mm-hmm. they're really doing Zach Wilson disservice by not putting a veteran in that room because it's just so integral for their development in the early stages, learning how to be a professional study habits, you know, just different things that they may not see because they've never really been through the fire before. So it's definitely questionable. I'm hoping that maybe something changes, you know, maybe somebody's let loose during the season because that does happen from time to time. And mm-hmm. they can get someone who has a little more experience. It can really help Zach because all eyes are on him, man. Like I'm not expecting as much from the defense because of the corner situation. I'm hoping the defensive line, you know, is pretty solid and strong and will Definitely have Dan break that down for us just in a bit because I know that's his bread and butter. But, yeah, overall, besides, obviously, Bless Austin and, I guess, a little bit James Morgan, I wasn't really too surprised by much. So, we'll see. I mean, the roster is definitely going to be a lot different when we talk about it in December as we're heading into the final weeks of the season because there's always injuries and just people who are signed and, and stuff like that. So, we'll see. But I'm, I'm obviously excited, you know, for game one is, you know, just over a week away and, you know, we're all going to be excited with optimism, even though expectations shouldn't be super high. But, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, so I talked about this before, and I want to let our defensive line expert, Den Eisen, break down the defensive line. So each of us are going to pick one player on the defensive line, and you're going to give us just, like, what we can expect and what you like about them and maybe even some analogies. Because I heard in the lost episode of TOJ Live, there were some good analogies for defensive linemen. <laughs> um, so – I'll pass it to Steven to pick somebody first and then I'll go second and then, you know, we'll rattle through. Yeah, I think I'd go with, uh, I think the obvious is Quinn and Williams. So I'm not going to go there. I was really banking on Quinn to have a huge year, uh, obviously because of Carl Lawson and kind of him eating that attention. And therefore that would open Quinn up. Now I think Quinn kind of slides into that default number one role where the attention will go his way. And then we'll see who else can, can get an impact because of that. So what I'd go with is or who I'd go with is John Franklin Myers. Um, I think I like what I've, what I've seen out of him uh, in, in the couple of years that he's been with the jets. And obviously before that, when he was with the Rams, uh, I think, you know, it's, clear especially from one jets drive that you know he had the sack of, uh, of tom brady in the super bowl but um i think last year he was rotating a lot and playing inside i think now he'll get outside which is more natural position and i think something that uh, we'd like to ask dan about a little bit later too is the impact of what Salah's simplified scheme can do and i think that's one thing that jfm can really benefit from so if bryce huff can take a step up quinn and williams takes that obvious step up and then sheldon rankins as well i think jfm is primed to have a a pretty good year i'm not going to say double digit sacks but maybe somewhere in that six to seven range um i think would be good there so he's one guy that i think could be a beneficiary of carl lawson getting hurt which is again another silver lining but uh, one beneficiary there 
So Stephen, I mean, uh, sorry, Stephen, Dan, break down JFM for us. Just give us like, you know, what everything we need to know about JFM heading into 2021. All right. So uh, like, like Stephen said, like, it's honestly a big opportunity for him, um, particularly because of the Vinnie Curry injury as well. Um, Vinnie Curry was kind of going to be a rotational piece, on, especially on passing downs, like because he can rush from the inside, he can rush from the outside, he can kind of just do whatever. It's a veteran professional, he guys knows everything. Um, so a lot of that is going to kind of fall on John Franklin Myers now because he, you know, he has that perfect size uh, for solid defensive line, and that he's uh, big, but he's athletic enough to rush from the outside. Um, so he's going to kind of fill in that, in that role and he's going to have to really show that he can do, uh, he can, he can get pressures consistently on passing downs in order for him to be as impactful as what they were probably hoping for from Vinnie Curry. So yeah, that, I, I love him. I think he's, he's a great player. Uh, it's a lot more responsibility than I thought he was going to have coming into this season, but we'll see what happens, man. That, that's what, that's what it's all about. <laughs> I agree. And I saw on CBS sports.com over the summer, He's was somebody's pick for the most underrated player in the NFL. So listen, maybe he gets everyone on notice, you know, playing in a big market like New York. If you're performing, people are going to know who you are. So I'm excited to see what he brings. And he definitely popped a lot on a really bad team. I know it's sometimes you're like, is it because there's nobody else making plays or is it because he's actually good? And I think with the talent that they have on the defensive line, it's only going to help him in that aspect because Sheldon Rankins, as long as he's healthy, is going to be a force. So Love to hear you break him down because he's one of our new, you know, prized possessions on the defensive line this year. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hyped. So he, uh, <laughs> I mean, with with the loss and injury again, like, because I remember uh, I was talking about it before with uh, with with Rizzo, and we were just kind of like, oh man, like, uh, it really would have been like really, really special, like with Lawson. But like, it's it's crazy because you only know how special it would have been now because you're like kind of taking inventory again, and it's like, damn, like. Stephen's last so good, um, <laughs> but uh, w- with Rankins, like obviously now his health becomes like top priority because uh, before it was kind of like, oh well, you know we have guys to fill in and we're gonna have great pressure from the outside, but now it's like, yeah, now Rankins has to be healthy in order for this to be uh, as as vaunted and as scary of a defensive line as they were kind of hoping to produce this year and like kind of you know reach top ten territory as a defensive line as a whole. So. Uh, yeah, a lot of that is going to rely on Sheldon Rankins, uh, but he he has the ability. If he's if he's healthy, there's very few that can move like him. There's very few that can replicate that spin move. Uh, that I, I can't wait to see him break out. Uh, and with with uh, you know everything kind of simplified in Salah's defense, it's going to be beautiful to see him like unleash. So Dan, if I could jump in here too, I want to I want to ask you two questions. Can you can you one can you expand on that simplified scheme uh, for the defensive line a little bit? I know a lot of the players have talked about it. How much of an impact can it really make, or can we expect? And then the second thing is uh, obviously um, you just touch on Shaq Lawson a little bit and what Jets fans can realistically expect there. Um, I don't I know I think we all know that he's not going to replace Carl Lawson, um, but what can Shaq Lawson do, and what can be some of the things that we could expect in 2021 from him? Right. So, so starting with uh, like the defensive scheme, one of, one of like the, the things you keep, we keep hearing is that like, Oh, like from the players, they're just gushing about it. They're like, Sala, you know, every, everything's so simple. I don't have to do all the stuff I was doing before. There's no, like, you don't overthinking. You're just going. And I think uh, what, what always comes to mind is the analogy that we were kind of referencing before was like, um, it's like you're driving and it's a difference between like coming to an intersection with like four stop signs, you know, all around you. Uh, and you have to kind of wait and see, like, all right, somebody's coming from here, somebody's coming from there. 
I got to give this person the right of way. I got to, you know, wait, make this happen before I actually make my decision uh, versus like you're, you know, on the highway and you're, you're just going, you're just going. And if you already know where you're going, you know what your exit is. If that's not my exit, I don't care. I'm just going. You know what I mean? And that's the big difference. It's like defensive linemen are just going, they're on the highway. They're just flying. Uh, they know when, when, when they have to take their exit, they know when they have to do whatever, but you know, when they're not, they're flying a field, you know what I mean? And uh, that's going to be the beauty of it is that they're just going to like get as much pressure get into the backfield, uh, make plays. It's going to be, it's going to be really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, awesome. no, I love that. I love that analogy. I think especially people who aren't like specific with like X's and O's and schemes, I feel like just, Hearing that is just a great way to better understand like what this defense is going to look like and really how the players are going to operate when they're in unison. Sorry, David, didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 that's fine. I think the other thing too is that you know what, what Dan mentioned uh, prior to is that it puts a little bit more pressure on the linebackers, right? But that's what makes CJ Mosley so important. That's you know I think yes, Dan even said yeah. that he was surprised that some people were kind of downplaying CJ Mosley in this solid defense, but in reality, it's like the the perfect uh, fit for him because he's such an instinctual player, because he's so um, you know such a, a heady player too. He's so smart out there on the field that it is so important. Um, but then second part of that question, Dan, what do you think of Shaq Lawson? What can we expect yeah. there? Yeah, I think so for Shaq Lawson, I think the, the great thing about Salah is that he gets the most out of defensive linemen. So, you know, Shaq will be at the height of his potential. They will get as much out of him as possible. Uh, like you're saying, like fans got to temper their expectations. Like he's not going to be, you know, probably not going to be a 10 plus sack guy. If he is, then wow, you know, Salah truly is like an incredible <laughs> coach. Uh, so like I would, I would probably have an expectation like maybe five to seven sacks. I think that's a solid year for for Lawson. Yeah. And I think, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in conjunction with everybody else along that line, rotating in and out, you know, they're going to try to like balance, uh, you know, their their uh, rotations and make sure that they get as much pressure as possible. Just trying to find the right combination of players to to make an impact. I think is going to be the key this season. Sure. And there's so much, I think there's so much focus too on the pass, the pass rush aspect of this defensive line that you almost forget about guys like Foley Fadakasi and Nathan Shepard, who Foley is, is the second coming of Snacks Harrison in my mind. And, you know, Damon Harrison was such a good player for us in the middle. Um, and we all know how that the effect of him leaving uh, left the Jets too. So um, to have these rotational pass rush guys still um, with kind of guys that can stuff the run in the middle, I think it's a huge impact. I still think this defensive line is a strength of the defense definitely even with the loss of any Curry and Carl loss and I don't think it'll be top five like I was probably banking on prior to the injuries um, but I do still think it has a chance to be in the upper half of the league definitely because they are deep there and I think they have some guys that if you know kind of take that next step it'll be a good unit yeah no I totally agree um, so now Stephen, I think this is gonna be fun because we could do this going forward for every episode because the season is actually starting I do want to you know recap like cap off the episode just talking to our guests about you know, what their prediction is for the game. Obviously, you and I will pick it next week because, mm-hmm. you know, we obviously have another show before the Panther game. But because Dan's not going to be on the show next week, I'm curious, Dan, make the case for what the prediction of the game is and tell us what you think the X factor is that's going to decide this game against the Panthers. We'll, we'll see here if he's a TOJ optimist or, pe- or, or, <laughs> pragma- or pragmatist, I guess the word is there. We'll see, we'll see where you fall, Dan. Go ahead, man. Well, uh, anyone who's been following me on Twitter the last few years. It's probably like, yeah, he's, it's going to be a negative pick, but you're wrong. <laughs> I've changed. I've changed. This draft has changed me. Joe Douglas has changed me. Robert Sala. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to go with 31, 24 jets. Uh, it's going to be a close game. Uh, offenses are going to, you know, take a little while to get going. Second half, they're going to be kind of going all over the place. 
you know, per usual week one, typically, you know, it's, it's tougher teams to get started. Um, I think that the key is going to be the defensive line, just like we talked about. Am I going <laughs> to say that's going to be the key every week? Maybe. I might, I might say that. It's possible. No, Same. but uh, it's particularly important this week because the Panthers' offensive line is garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that uh, Quinn and Williams can really eat. So yeah. uh, I think I predicted like a, like a two or three set game from him in week one. I think in, an, wow. in uh, one of my D-line like pieces it. a while ago, but I, like I, I can't remember. I got to look back, but I think that's what it was. So big game from Quinn Williams. How, how, many many picks, how many picks does Sam Darnold throw? Ooh. Two, mm, <laughs> one pick and a fumble. One pick uh, and a fumble. All right. Okay. All right. I love that. I do. Um, give us like it. real quick though. Give us a uh, Zach Wilson debut stat line real Ooh. quick. I like that. Uh, I'm going to go with 255, two touchdowns, one pick. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I like I'm it. I'm on board with that. Yeah. And 31 Listen. points in an opening week win. I'll take that all day. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. One of, those, I, one of those TVs was this is Tyler Croft, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Centerpiece of the, the infamous Tyler Croft. I think <laughs> – I think it legit took us five games to score 31 points last year. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. So if we score 31 points week one, I am super excited. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Dan, obviously for joining. Really appreciate it. I know obviously we had our technical difficulties this week, but we'll make sure that when we have you on again, it's going to be smooth sailing. I promise you that. Um, for anybody who doesn't follow Dan on Twitter, you, you best do that because number one, you're going to get the best defensive line breakdowns. For the Jets and really just any football player in general, because that's Dan's favorite thing about football. And follow him on Twitter. It's at Jets and Jolly of. I know it's a great name. He used to be the Mackay Becton investor as like his actual name. I know he changes <laughs> it from time to time, but I always love seeing that. Um, and obviously, don't forget to subscribe to our show on um, YouTube, YouTube.com slash turn on the Jets TV. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed on Apple, uh, Spotify, and also Google Play. And then, you know, the best thing about everything is the Badlands feed on Patreon. You know, it's a good $5. I know a lot of great content's coming your way as we head into the season from Joe and Connor. And I know they're really working hard to make it different and better than it was a year ago. And, you know, we're super excited for this season. I know it's going to be, you know, an up and coming year. It's not going to be like the best year, but super excited. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. And we have Thomas Jones, former Jet running back coming on next week.